This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. It looks like we survived the weekend. Joe Biden is in Europe, and um, he's now moved on, I think, to Brussels. And it's embarrassing. I, uh, wait, I should be fair. I don't like him, right? I don't, I'm not a, a Biden guy, so I, I judge it a little harder. And, you know, I just, so I, I, I want to be fair. There's people out there that are like, oh, isn't that nice? The doddering old man who's president of the United States, you know, and, and it's, but he, it's just embarrassing to me. Let me remind you, you can go to proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com, and all these interviews we're doing. Last week, we had some great interviews. Later this week, we'll talk with, uh, Paul Kanger, Dr. No, we'll talk with Paul Kanger today. Sorry, we'll talk with Dr. Paul Kanger today and, uh, Bridget Van Means later in the week. We'll also, tomorrow night, uh, excuse me, tomorrow night, yeah, t- oh, Tuesday night, Get it right. Boy, oh boy. Tuesday night, I will be doing a um, very special virtual Phyllis Lafley uh, Eagles Collegian. So let me set this up. For almost 25 years, we had an in-person Collegians event. The Phyllis Lafley Eagles did. We'd have about 150 college students come into Washington, D.C. They'd be trained on how to be a smart conservative, the tactics to fight back, and they'd meet this was always key. They'd meet the great conservative leaders in the Congress. And also, Phyllis loved to bring in spe- uh, writers. In fact, Paul Kenger, who's on the show today, that's where I first met him. He was a speaker. So Phyllis would get the good guys and gals that were in Congress and bring them over in front of the students. Then she'd also get the good writers, writers of books and columnists. We've had Ann Coulter and all different folks like that. And Kenger is one of them, Dr. Paul Kenger. So last year and this year, we've had to do it virtually. Last year because it was locked down. This year because logistically we couldn't rely on it and, we, and we've gotten kind of good at it. So we'll do a virtual program. It starts at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. East Coast time. You can go to phyllislafley.com and sign up there. And it's um, the program's phenomenal. Starts out with Ted Cruz uh, in person. Josh Hawley's got a video. We've got Jack Posobiec, General Flynn, Senator Rand Paul. The guy I think is one of the coming men in this country, leaders, Congressman Burgess Owens, he'll be there, and on and on and on. In fact, the highlight for me is the Babylon Bee, one of the founders and creators, and I think he's now the editor-in-chief, Seth Dillon, will be with us. If you don't laugh out loud at the Babylon Bee, you're barely alive. At least, at least one out of three, it's just so funny. It's just amazing to see. So, all right. And now let me get to what you need to know today, though, because I do want to spend a little bit of time on this. Joe Biden goes to Europe and um, it's just he's he, and so the, the news coverage, of course, becomes unbelievable, breath, breathless coverage about how everybody loves having him there because he's not Trump and everybody's so good to each other. And Macron and him are palling around. And yet. Nothing successful or meaningful is happening in America's favor. You remember last time when Trump first went, so it was five years ago, he went and sat and there's that picture of him sitting at a table and everybody else is kind of hunched over him, talking to him. And that was just about the time where some of those nations began paying their fair share of the fees that are supposed to go into NATO because America pays because we honor our word. Everybody else welches, and then they sit around and say, oh, man, we wish America would do more for us. So, you know, here we are, Biden, and they're writing stories. Politico had a piece, which I'll refer later on, probably in the last segment. They refer to the fact that Biden has had his first big win over the weekend. And you look at the article, and the big win is people were really nice to him. People were really nice to Joe from Scranton. Ah, isn't that sweet? Joe from Scranton. And he wore his, uh, he wore his tennis shoes to go to the bar one night. He walked through the bar, the outdoor bar, and he looked a little bit lost, actually. There was some coverage of that, but isn't that sweet? Hey, Joe from Scranton, isn't that sweet? Except even Politico 
which I told you, you go to Politico to look at what I'd say is the sophisticated Democrat response and talking points and news. Politico is smart people, so they're kind of, they know what's going on, and they're trying to directionally tell you what's wrong. And one of the headlines, or what's right, they're just spinning you. But one of the headlines is about, oh, what are we going to do with uh, President Xi and, uh, and President Putin? They're working together. And I wanted to yell at the, t- at the uh, article as I read it and say, this is why it's so dumb and Trump knew this, to fight with Putin. I'm not arguing that uh, Putin is perfect. I don't know him. I don't know. I mean, it looks like he does some bad things, but he he does plenty of things that have stabilized his country. You know, they're building churches all over uh, Russia, and they're doing some other things. I'm not not saying that there's not corruption. I don't know a lot of it. I don't know uh, much of it. But I'm not trying to run Russia. But I'll tell you what we need is allies against China. Remember the enemy? the The enemy of your enemy is your friend? That kind of deal? The most natural ally we should have, and European the European conservatives know this, is Putin against China. You, you don't want the EU and others to, to, to saddle up close to China and to Russia together. You want to try to change that dynamic. And we got nothing. We got nothing. We got, we got Joe Biden fighting with, uh, with Putin as if it was the Cold War, as if he was actually squaring off against a Cold War superpower. He's not, because they have lots of nukes. And they have certain strengths, but the threat here is China. And everybody at the event, that uh, the G7, knows that China, communist China, is the elephant in the room. And everybody knows that as to China, most of the things that Trump did to pick a fight with China. Remember, Trump started out started out saying things like, President Xi is very smart, he's really talented, he's good. And then he whacked away at China, the communist regime. And then he would say, yeah, President Xi, the guy's top notch. But then he whacked away at the tariffs, put tariffs on. And he whacked away at the other things. Trump was always playing this kind of uh, himself, playing this uh, praise the leader, wha- you know, bang away at the at the at the nation and trying to get things to change. And Joe Biden is just saying, oh, you know, whatever, we'll see. We'll give you back that steel. We'll take the steel tariffs off of Europe, even though China's uh, to eating our lunch on that. And we'll just uh, move ahead and we just do this and that. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look strong. Let's say it that way. It does not look strong when you see what's happening in Europe and you see uh, at this at the G7 and you see how Biden is handling himself so much so that at the press conference, you know, and we'll talk about this later. I'm out of time. But I, this segment, I want to get to these interviews. Um, Joe Biden actually said that he was, uh, oh, yeah, I think I'm making progress with Putin on exchanging uh, exchanging hackers. And then within 10 seconds, no kidding, 10 seconds of the end of the press conference, Joe Biden's national security advisor had to walk out and walk it back. And say, ah, he didn't mean that. That wasn't what he meant. We didn't mean that. Sorry about that. Not us. That wasn't a thing. Don't worry about it. And off you go. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk with Dr. Paul Kengor about that. And we'll also, we'll catch up with, uh, Jennifer Kearns. Jennifer Kearns will talk about Kamala Harris and Jennifer Kearns, uh, allamericannews.com. A lot to cover. We'll be back in a moment, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Talk to you in a minute. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And uh, our next guest is Jen Kearns. If you listen closely, you'll always you'll hear her relatively frequently over on Andrea Kay's show, which reminds me, this is a good time to remind everybody, I'm going to be filling in for Andrea Kay uh, in the next couple of weeks, she's got, she's going on vacation, I think, which is, uh, I don't know that vacation was allowed, but, uh, and so we will, I'll be filling in for her and, uh, Noah, what are those dates? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't want to put them on the spot, but why not? It's what Noah does. Noah, do you know? And on the spot, I'm going to tell you no, but it is coming up shortly. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, next week. All right, Jen Kearns, at All American Jen on Twitter, nationally syndicated talk radio show host herself, and really good on Twitter, and also uh, Newsmax, you'll see her sometimes, you've seen her on Fox. Uh, so welcome, Jen, how are you? Hey, great to be with you, Ed. I'm just jealous Andrea gets a vacation. <laughs> I know exactly. That's ex- exactly. I, I, I thought I, I, I thought the same thing. That's crazy. All right. So, Jen, first of all, um, give me your assessment because I know you're good at this. Uh, even for people that didn't like her, and I didn't, I don't like her policies and politics. Uh, Kamala Harris as VP. I mean, it's a mess, isn't it? It really is, Ed, and, and it's really surprising uh, that they have given her such a vast portfolio of complicated issues. You know, it, it's not like she's been a vice president before. It's not like she's, you know, uh, been a U.S. senator even for that long. So she would be, you know, oh so briefed in foreign policy to handle uh, the, the broad portfolio that the Biden administration has given her. I think, Ed, what that means, and might be too conspiratorial here, but I think this is this is what's happening. I think the Biden administration is actually setting Kamala Harris up to fail. Uh, and, and why I say hmm. that is, you, you look at this uh, complicated interview she did with NBC uh, this week. Um, the the Biden administration didn't really take the press hit for that. Kamala Harris personally. Did And when I saw that, I thought, hmm, there's something going on here that they're letting her sort of go out on her own and kind of hang out on her own here. Um, and then I started researching and thinking back to why this could possibly be. Well, you remember, first of all, that they were not the best of friends on the debate stage. Um, she went after right. Biden's jugular over the uh, school integration busing <laughs> and, and segregation. Uh, so, so they're off to a rocky start there. But it goes even further back than that. And this involves Barack Obama. And we know the nastiness that exists there. And we know that, you know, they have long political memories. Uh, it was none other than Kamala Harris that back in 2014, when Barack Obama was having a similar border crisis, uh, that Kamala Harris was attorney general of California. And she effectively single-handedly killed a, a strong Obama program that actually would have gone a long way to solve the illegal immigration crisis. And that was the 2014 Secure Communities Act. Uh, that, that was basically um, if you get pulled over on a traffic stop and it's deemed that you're an illegal during that traffic stop, you have to be handed over to the federal authorities. Well, Kamala was AG at the time of your great state of California. Um, right, and right. um and and Kamala said, no, we're not doing that. She, in fact, issued a, a bulletin to every single law enforcement agency in the state of California and said, do not comply with the 2014 Secure Communities Act. Well, what happened? Well, because California is the most populous state in the union, because it's the largest border state in the union, it effectively killed Barack Obama's program before it even got off the ground. And then, as you know, the, the border crisis continued. So Barack Obama, I'm sure, has not forgotten about that. And I'm sure um, his uh, close advisors, i.e. Susan Rice, who still sits in the White House and basically is running the White House today, um, I think they remember this. And I think when you look at the portfolio she's been given on the border crisis, I can't help but think there's a little bit of revenge going on here because as I said, it's not Biden who got the hit this week. It's been Kamala Harris personally. There's been a hit to her her career and her trajectory. 
Yeah, it certainly feels like. By the way, we're talking with Jen Kearns. Let me make sure to say uh, allamericannews.com is her website. She's the founder of the website. Lots of good contributors there. Lots of good. Uh, it's a good one. To, I mean, after the after Drudge went bonkers, um, you know, everybody had to sort of search. And uh, it's a good one. Allamericannews.com. Go there. And, of course, uh, she's the host herself of All American Radio with Jennifer Kearns and uh, all over the place. Um but so I, I, that's, I, I never really, I didn't connect that. So I'm glad you connected it with back to Obama because it, 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 there's a no, there's like a no win situation here with Kamala. On the other hand, on the other hand, she's a big league ball player. I told someone, if you're vice president, like you, you've got everything you need to get better. I mean, the idea that somebody didn't uh, coach her, train her, get her better on the question of visiting the border, for example, it, it it's really, it's easy to say, oh, they're just so arrogant, but it's really political malpractice. If we saw it with somebody friendly that we liked, if we said, oh, you know, there's um, there's a senator. So Senator Cruz was unprepared or he wouldn't he'd never be unprepared because he knows everything, you know, and that's part of his problem. But I mean, it's it's mal, it's malpractice. Who's her political machine? I mean, she must have political people around her. And then then I pause and I say, wait. She absolutely failed as a as a presidential candidate. Her political machine was the worst. So maybe she doesn't. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't. And, and, you know, maybe she feels so strongly about her own brand. And you see this sometimes with candidates that they don't take the advice of those around them. But again, uh, about those tools, Ed, it might be that she's not being given the tools inside the White House because, again, they might be looking for her to fail. Um, look, they, mm. they would probably like none other than Susan Rice uh, to be the yeah. first African-American female president in 2024 rather than Kamala Harris. There's something going on here. I can't prove it yet, but I think a year from now, maybe two years from now, we'll be having this conversation going, aha, hmm. right. She, she's being killed from the inside because just if you know how the Obama folks go, she's never been in, in the Obama clique. Um, so I think what happened here with Biden after that contentious uh, debate um, I think they, they pulled a Ronald Reagan here. The great Ronald Reagan knew that George H.W. Bush had a lot of popularity and that if he didn't put him on the VP ticket with him, he was going to have to contend with the George H.W. Bush challenge again in four years. I think that's what they did here. They said, you know, who is our biggest threat? Who is the loudest person in the room? Who's going to challenge him the most on race and the issues that are popping up in the 2020 election? Well, gosh, that would be Kamala Harris. Let's put her under us on the VP ticket. We can keep an eye on her. We can keep our thumb on her. I think that's what's going on here. We'll, we'll be reading about this, I predict, in, in five years' time when she writes the tell-all book about how mean everyone in the White House was to her. Yeah. Now, uh, again, we're talking with Jen, uh, Jen Kearns. And if you go to uh, at All American Jen, you can find her there and also allamericannews.com. Uh, you, I think on Friday it was, you tweeted about Caitlyn Jenner. And she, Caitlyn Jenner, um, she's, uh, she says she's the future of the Republican Party. I guess at this point we just kind of say, okay, California recalls become just uh, like – a free for all. And, and it's a, you know, there's some YouTube candidates running and things like that, but she, I mean, you gotta, you gotta give Caitlyn Jenner, uh, this tons of publicity. I mean, and taking advantage of every bit of it. 
Yeah, you know, look, Ed, I I actually like Caitlyn Jenner a lot. I just don't like the advice that she's being given. Um, I, and and I, you know, I was the press secretary in California for 15 years. Um, I I was a press secretary who actually won in California. I think there's a big distinction there between just being one and actually winning, whether it was Prop 8 or you know some of the other recalls. Um, uh, look, I, I, I think that before when candidates say, oh, I'm going to hire this great national team. California is just so different and so unique and so intricate. And the press corps is so different. I, I think, Caitlin, uh, as much as I like Brad Parscale's strategy nationally, I don't think it fits in the state of California. And so Caitlin has had many missteps coming out of the gate. Look, I think this could have been the biggest candidacy of California. I mean, there, her her transgenderism, whether you like it or not, does fit the state of California. Most, I think it's 80% of people in California now are okay with gay marriage. I mean, that, that's much different than when we ran Prop 8. It was not, not that number. Um, but, but this could have really been, um, one of those interesting candidacies, a celebrity who actually agrees in fiscal responsibility. This could have been really great. And instead, it's been sort of made into a mockery. And, and it makes me really sad. Um, she could still turn it around, though, but, but I think she would have to infuse some California strategists, some very serious California strategists into her team. Uh, there's some other people uh, I've heard looking to put their hat into the ring. I'm told that Rick Grinnell, um, who is also openly gay and would oh. fit that California profile, is sort of waiting to see what the uh, Caitlyn Jenner thing is doing. Um, and, huh. and Rick might potentially throw his hat into the ring around Labor Day. He uh, uh, reportedly, um, according to my sources, has uh, also the support of Donald Trump, um, even maybe more so than Brad Parscale. Uh, Trump has apparently said that he would actually come out to California and campaign and do a couple of rallies for Rick Grinnell. Um, so thank hmm. you for that. I think there's a little more there that that going to happen on that front i i, I don't I, I have a little bit less i don't know i have a little bit less uh interest in jenner i just think it's a sideshow but I, grinnell is a, has obviously had a a an impressive um career in the last few years and even more importantly from where i standpoint has been great about doing the uh fighting the deep state and also fighting uh for america first so all right jen i gotta run unfortunately thank you for coming on and uh we will make sure to put it up all over the place uh, jen kearns and uh allamericannews.com uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ed. Great to talk with you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be back together. And I have to welcome my old friend, Dr. Paul Kangor. Dr. Kangor is, of course, a professor up at Grove City College and uh, also is a prolific writer. And I had it on my, uh, on my chart, my uh, list, to get him on to talk particularly about a piece that ran over at the American Spectator. Go to spectator.org is their website. That's a good website title, spectator.org. And the title is BLM founder Patrice Cullors, uh, Marxist Abolition. Abolitionist, and it's about this woman who helped found Black Lives Matter. As I tell people all the time, Dr. Paul Kengor, again, if you have youth, trust your youth, send them to Grove City College, and Dr. Kengor will teach them. Otherwise, they have to study accounting or, or science. Don't study any liberal arts, anything. But if you go, you go in with Kengor, it's okay. But also, his many books on the subject of Marxism, communism, the history, very, very valuable. So welcome back, Dr. Kengor. How are you? Yeah, good, Ed. Thanks. Good to be with you. 
good to be with you. Now, back to Black Lives Matter. I, I heard someone say, by the way, the other day that um, Mark, that the um, critical race theory, I'm going to test this out on you because you'll, you'll like, I'll, your reaction will be, will be interesting to me. Critical race theory is racist Marxism. Meaning Marxism in itself is just divisive and hateful and all. Critical race theory is, is racist Marxism. So now we're talking Black Lives Matter. One of the big founders was Patrice. Am I pronouncing your name right? Patrice Colors? Coolers? How do you say That's it? That's right. Do you know? Yeah. yeah Colors. Okay. And, Colors. And I didn't know that hmm. until I watched this video where she calls herself an abolitionist. And I've heard people say you know, Colors, and, but it's Colors. Yeah. Yeah. It's Colors. Okay. Okay, and she is one of the founders. Here's the interesting thing. Hawk Newsom, a guy that I remember seeing speak on the mall, not in person, a videotape of him on the mall in D.C., I think, where he was, he basically was, um, <clears throat> I, if I have to say, he was kind of sincere. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't a lunatic. He was saying, hey, and, and I think he called up some Trump supporters and he said, you know, hey, we, well, let's try to figure this out together. He didn't seem, and he's actually the head of Black Lives Matter Greater New York City, and he's calling for an independent investigation of this Black Lives Matter founder. Walk us through this whole thing and tell us what's going on, Paul, please. Well, that's right. And and Patrice Cullors immediately kind of blamed the calls for an investigation of what you call right-wing media and called it racist. <laughs> right? but, but in fact, <laughs> people within her own organization, um, Hawk Newsom is one of them, they're, they're wondering all this enormous amount of money that's gone to Black Lives Matter over the last two or three years, um, where is it gone? How much of it has gone to the founder? How much does Patrice Cullors make? By the way, she, she resigned uh, in the last couple of weeks. And so the idea that she's being pressured by right-wing media and racist, no, people are in, her, in her own organization are very upset, and they were very upset a few months ago, maybe a few weeks ago, when the New York Post, among others, broke a major story reporting that she had purchased several homes since 2016. Mm. And Newsom even pointed out, he said, well, you know, if you're going to go around calling yourself a Marxist and, and talk about right. redistributing <laughs> wealth and economic injustice right. and everything else, it doesn't look real good if, if no one knows how much money you're making and you're out buying a bunch of homes. One of the homes that I don't think she bought it, Ed, but she was looking at it, was in, um, is it Barbados? Uh, a, a place like that. Her neighbors would be Justin Bieber, Tiger Woods. So she, uh, huh. no one knows how much she's making. No one knows how much she's taken from, I don't mean taken like stolen, uh, but you know, taken as an income or whatever else right. from BLM. And so people are, are legitimately asking questions. And this is where uh, Dr. Paul Kangor is so important because he's written on all uh, many of these subjects and and C Colors has often quoted her own her mentor a woman named Angela Davis for at the center and and I know you've written about her and written that written about her Angela Davis and her relationship to some of the leading uh uh democrats and politicians but the point here is this isn't at least what they espouse a little bit like Obama. Obama espouses to be a lefty, but he's making tons of tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars off of the system. But what this woman uh, colors espouses is Marxism, and she doesn't come at it. What she's saying is real and real damaging, and that's what Angela Davis taught, right? What's well, right, and, and all the Marxists are like this. Ed. I mean, all of them. I mean, you know this. I mean, Phyllis Schlafly used to used to document this stuff so well. Uh, I, I mean, you know, pick the Marxists. Despot, right? Tyrant. Uh, right. Nikolai Ceausescu in Romania with his castles. 
uh, you know, the, all the general secretaries of the Soviet Union with their dachas on the Black Sea. Fidel Castro died one of the ten wealthiest leaders in the world, according to Forbes magazine. I mean, the guy was worth billions wow. of dollars. Uh, you know, hmm. The Kims in North Korea live like kings while everybody else, you know, people in the late 90s in North Korea were literally eating bark from trees. They were starving to death. Hmm. I can even come home to America here. Gus Tall, who ran Communist Party from 1959 to 2000, uh, was a thief. He, he would pocket money. The, Soviet, the Soviets were subsidizing Communist Party USA about $2 million a year, and Gus was taking half of it and sticking it in his pocket. So, so right. people say, you know, take your democratic socialists, right? Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, people say, would she, would she really ban all air travel? I, I mean, but doesn't she herself want to fly on an airplane? Oh, yeah, well, she'll fly on an airplane. But the rest of you, <laughs> right? The rest of you will take Amtrak, right? right? The rest of you can right. they pick up Amtrak in New York and take it to L.A. She's flying, baby, right? Her and Bernie yeah. aren't giving up yeah. their jet. So, you know, Marxism is, is for the rule, not the rulers. Well, and we're talking with Dr. Paul Kangorn again. One of the you've written on Marx and Engels, and you've written on the history of this. Is it is it a a character flaw of the founders? Or is it a is it a feature of the system? Meaning, it, 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 I think I think you're going to tell me the system is about control, and so as long as you're controlling the masses, you can do what you want. You can do what you want in terms of libertine uh, lifestyle. You can do what you want in terms of wealth. I mean, it's not. In other words, she's not doing anything. Uh, colors. We're talking about the founder of Black Lives Matter. She's not doing anything outside of the Marxist regime. She's just being uh, caught in it, right? She's being shown at this point, being exposed, which is perhaps. Perhaps, Paul, we're again talking to Dr. Paul Kangor, perhaps it's a it's a benefit of the modern moment that there can be more rapid transparency of the fraud of these people. But back to that point, is it is it is it a flaw in her makeup or is it a feature in the system? I, I think it's both the system and the character. And you'll find this in Marx and Engels, right? In fact, you read Marx. Marx has this horrible statement about uh, what is the worldly God of the Jew? Money, right? What does the Jew right. worship? Haggling, right? And he's talking about people's worship of money and greed and capital. And when you actually read Marx, you're like, uh, hey, dude, you're the one that's obsessed <laughs> with money. I mean, I've never right. seen anybody obsessed with money like you in my life. I mean, you're, 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 you're practically fastening a golden calf. Out, 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 of, right. out of out of money. I mean, your world is strictly material. There's no supernatural in it, in it at all. And it's kind of like, um, and you and I have both been through this on cultural issues, right? You, you'll argue with a liberal who will be screaming at you, right? Hater! You know, hater! Hater! And you're sitting there thinking, I, I don't know why you're yelling hate at me. I don't feel any hate right now at all. I'm smiling right. at you, my hand is out, I'm engaged, I'm talking to you, and you're practically foaming at the mouth. And it's, so they, they kind of project onto others what, what they themselves are feeling. And I'm seeing it with a race issue, too, right? How many times have you had people say to you, oh, that's racist, and you think, really? I'm not even thinking about race right now, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, you know, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you are, uh, may, you know, maybe. Maybe you got a race problem, man, right? But a lot yeah. of these people, and it, you know, it goes back to, I think, liberalism is a kind of a psychological condition. 
um, for so many of these people on the lab. We're talking again with Dr. Paul Kangor, and as I'm reading this piece, uh, which is up uh, over at the uh, spec at the American Spectator, spectator.org, I know he links in within it uh, to another piece he'd written on this on a, a similar subject, or at least on Angela Davis. Uh, oh no, the, the earlier piece on uh, the politics of Patrice Cullors, and so you can you can get a lot of the framing on this there. We're, again, we're talking with Dr. Paul Kangor of Grove City College. Paul, um, is this the end of? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of organizations start. Uh, I'm thinking here's a good example. Acorn. Acorn started and it lasted until it didn't last. And suddenly it was gone. And then it was reconstituted, of course, as as, as a million other things. Right. I mean, there's a, the left doesn't stop. They just rebrand. They change and rebrand. You know, in That's fact, right. I would say that uh, Common Core is just another iteration of all these different kinds of, of education efforts. And critical race theory is a bit different. It, to me, it's a, a more of a racist, like I said, a, a, a Marxist ra- racism, Marxism, but with a racist twist. But is this a do you think this this is something that could lead to Black Lives Matter fading? Again, it'll be restarted by something else. And, and, and you know, again, you could you could probably trace the history of the Black Lives Matter type movements right back to the Black Panthers or other things. But and is Patrice Cullors um, exiled from the, the effort or is it likely that she'll be back in another iteration and the organization will withstand it? What's your thoughts on the on the history, the arc of politics on these kinds of things? That's a great point. It's a very insightful point. And look, they're that good at branding. They'll come up with another name, and they'll figure out a way to keep the Marxism off the website of the new organization, right? And I would say that this group could be saved if somebody like maybe a Hawk Newsom maybe perhaps takes it over more careful in his language and doesn't say absolutely recklessly irresponsible things like Patrice Cullors says in this piece that I wrote, and I'm quoting her directly from her video. She, she is calling for the abolition, and she says, and when I say abolition, I mean getting rid of. She said, I am calling for the abolition, the getting rid of police, prisons and jails, incarceration, survi- surveillance, and court. All right? Now imagine that. Wow. Can you imagine anything that reckless and irresponsible? If I was on Black Lives Matter and I wanted my organization to keep going, I'd want that person out of it as quickly as possible. Uh, but, but I don't know. So many people will just stick a sign in their front yard for anything without doing yeah. any research, any background of any organization. Um, but I would think that this one, I don't know, maybe proper leadership, the right person to take over. It could be salvaged. But then again, it's not exactly dying, right, Ed? I mean, the yeah, that's right. No, that, that, about right now, you know, nine out of ten, right. you know, ninety, nine hundred ninety-nine out of a thousand people with the BLM sign in their front yard don't know any of that, and they won't read about that's it right. during the New York Times. Oh, that's right, and they won't see it on CNN, and therefore it won't. They won't believe it, right? So you'll have a third of the country that will believe it, a third that a third that will never believe it, and the other thirds getting on with their lives. It's a real challenge. All right, uh, Doctor Paul Kengor, as always, thank you for the insight. I'll put his piece up on uh, on social media. Um, uh, spectator, this one is at spectator.org. Thanks very much, Paul. All right, Ed. Take care. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. In the 2020 election, nearly 70% of voters cast their ballots prior to Election Day. Many prior to the final debate when Joe Biden vowed to shut down the traditional energy industry that provides millions of jobs for American workers. When Joe Biden terminated the Keystone Pipeline shortly after he took office, some early voters were surprised. 
Sadly, there's no practical way for millions of early voters to change their votes. That's not the only problem with early and mail-in voting. Another big issue is the matter of ballot harvesting, which is when a partisan political operative collects ballots that support their chosen candidate. Georgia's new law requires inclusion of a voter's driver's license number on mail-in ballots, but it's hard to tell how much this will reduce ballot harvesting. Well-funded liberal groups may be able to obtain lists of driver's license numbers to pre-fill ballots and then vote improperly for others anyway. Strict signature verification was once required in states that allow mail-in voting, but Georgia, Pennsylvania, and other states dropped these requirements through judicial activism or collusive settlements with liberal election officials. Democrats argue that some elderly people have irregular signatures, but banks require signatures on checks, and voting is just as important as cashing a check. Anyone who dislikes extra requirements for mail-in voting has the option to vote in person on Election Day. That's the way voting worked for a long time in America, so it's not exactly a novel request. Without verifying the authenticity of mail-in ballots, more elections will be stolen. The best approach, as Donald Trump stated, is to prohibit nearly all mail-in voting. And if allowed, there must be strict verification of identification and signatures. Anyone who doesn't like this can show up at the polls. For stating these simple facts, liberals will call me a bigot. They say I want to suppress votes. I say that nothing suppresses votes more than a broken system that nobody trusts. If elections are ever to mean something in America, they have to have the full confidence of the American people. That's why election integrity is the foremost issue of American politics today. From Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin. Election fraud has the power to destroy the America we know and love. Never again can we allow an election to be stolen. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find reasonable, workable strategies for assuring the integrity of every future election. Visit phyllisschlafly.com today. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Don't, excuse me. Pro-America Report. Report. That's cool. Pro-America Report. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you can get all these interviews, all these greats. So I got some good ones coming this week, too. We're good. We've got a busy week, busy week. Tomorrow night, I want to remind you. Uh, let me say it better. Tuesday night. It's important to get that right. Tuesday night, June 15th, 3 o'clock, Tuesday late afternoon, 3 o'clock on the, on the West Coast, 6 o'clock on the East Coast, we have our live virtual collegians event. So if you know a college student in your life that needs to be educated and, and needs to know what's at stake, why it's worth fighting for, that's our theme, it's worth fighting for, America's worth fighting for, everything's worth fighting for, the, our good values. We're going to have Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, uh, Congressman Burgess Owens, General Flynn, they'll all be, most of them are passing through our Washington, D.C. office to to, to give this great program, but it'll be virtual. And you can have questions and comments through all the uh, the comment uh, paths on any of the massive number of uh, feeds we're on. I think we're on Twitter, Facebook, we're on uh, uh, YouTube, we're on the Gab, we're on Parler. I think we're might up on Rumble. I don't know. Go to phyllisschlafly.com. phyllisschlafly.com is a big button there. Sign up. And you don't have to be a collegian. If you're not a collegian or college age or, you know, whatever, it's aimed at young people. It's, it's, a lot of our questions will be for these big shots. You know, hey, Ted Cruz, what do you tell young people? Rand Paul, how do you, how do you get young people 
engaged. You know, um, General Flynn, what do you say to a, a young person when you're when you're you know bringing them into th- these conservative principles? How do you do it? We're going to talk to young people aimed at them, but it's open to anybody. So, you know, you may just be sitting there and you may be 48 years old, but you're sitting there and going, oh, I just want to learn about this. And I want to see these uh, big shots, big timers talk about this important stuff. So tune in for that. Now, one of the things that I will tell you we do better than anybody, I'm talking now about the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and this program also, the Pro-America Report, is see what's happening and know what it means. And here's a little example. Did you know that Iran, at least Iran is saying, we haven't gotten this confirmed yet by the White House or anybody else, Iran is saying it's reached an agreement with the U.S. to lift the Trump sanctions on Iran. Because remember, what happened was Iran wanted the dumb nuclear deal that Obama signed, which got them billions of dollars of assets unleashed. People think that the um, the, the um, Iran only got the pallets full of cash. I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars in cash, pallets of cash. We drew, flew over and dropped in so that so the mullahs and everybody else can spend the money. That's not all they got. We the, the Obama administration released assets that were tied up because of sanctions. Well, Trump got in. He's like, we're not doing that again. And he put the sanctions back on, tied up a bunch of assets. Well, here we go again. Iran is about to get a deal with the U.S. to lift those economic sanctions, which you know what it does? It allows the rich people and the powerful people to have a good time. And most of the normal people in Iran are stuck. And they're good people. The Iranian people are good people. The people. They just happen to be uh, led by the mullahs and others, the Ayatollah, that are not not pleasant, not pleasant people. A little bit like, remember our conversation the other day, we talked about the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine does not ban, does not forbid other people from coming into our hemisphere. It says the system you have is not compatible with being in our backyard. And at the time that Monroe did it, he was talking about some systems that were coming from Europe and from Russia. And then the Monroe Doctrine was reinvigorated during the Cold War, saying the communist system, and it's the same thing with China. It's also true about the mullahs. The Iranian mullahs, the Ayatollah, they have a system that's incompatible with America being anywhere near us because they just want to kill people if you're not on their side. Not even close, right? It's not a debate. It's not, oh, can you get it? No, they kill you if you're not on their side. Now, my point here is that... Joe Biden is making a deal to give them a bunch of money so that the, the, the people in charge in Iran are back living high and, and having a great time. And we're supposedly we're going to import Iranian fuel, oil and gas, I think, from uh, into America because we're trying to help them. How? How is this helpful? And here's a little trick. I told you that we, we go tune in tomorrow night for Phyllis Schlafly Collegians, our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Collegians, and tune in this program because you get this. It would all be bad enough. Okay, it would all be bad enough what I just described to you. Bad, bad, bad idea, bad politics, bad policy, not smart, weak. Joe Biden looks weak. America looks weak. It makes you wonder what they're doing. But here's the real thing you didn't didn't see until I tell you. The other thing you're not seeing until I didn't tell you is Iran and America waited to announce this until what? Until the one guy who's been tough on Iran, tough as can be, Bibi Netanyahu is out as prime minister. And I told you a month ago when it looked like and then it just happened, Bibi Netanyahu lost the election or lost the, the, you know, it's a parliamentary system. So he lost his coalition and that now he's got some other uh, guys in charge. And I told you at the time that doesn't happen unless the Biden administration wants it to happen. Because if the Biden administration signals to the powers that be, don't do that. That's destabilizing. They wouldn't have done it. So you can rest assured that BB paid a price because why? Because he was so good and tough on Iran and also good and tough with Trump on everybody else. 
And, and, and so now they waited and this is what you get. So we're watching the weakness of the Biden Obama vision, pay them, pay the bad guys and hope they behave. Never works. Never works. Pay the bad guys and hope they behave. Reminds me of how played Joe Biden was, you know, a couple of days ago in uh, in the, the midst of the uh, great European tour that uh, uh, Biden is taking. Uh, uh, Putin says, hey, if you guys think that you don't like people that are taking uh, that are hacking into our into your system, you think they're we'll hand over any criminals that are hacking into your system if you do the same thing. Meaning what? Meaning Putin knows we're hacking into him all the time, too. And what did Biden say? I'm glad to hear we're making progress. What? Because Putin said he would swap hackers with Biden. And Biden said, yeah, it sounds like an okay plan. And then within, no kidding, within 30 seconds of the end of the press conference, Joe Biden had to walk it back. Think about what a mess it must be to be in this White House where you can't even, Biden didn't do a head, a side by side with Putin because they knew they'd get freewheeling questions and he couldn't hand it. He just did a standalone and he said, I can't depart from the prepared questions my staff told me. And he still made a faux pas, international faux pas. And yet all across the news over the weekend, I mean, Politico had a headline that was shameless. It said Biden moves on to Brussels with a significant victory in the first leg of his trip. And then you read the article and they say his victory was that people really liked him. They said nice things to him. Guess what? Anywhere any U.S. president goes, you know what they say? Nice things to him. Of course they say nice things to his face. That's what they do. That's the plan. That's what it's called to be America right now. Except over time, you see the actions of folks. It's not turning out very well. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. As always, thank you our great for our great producer, uh, Noah Dingley, for keeping things on track. We've been doing some recording ahead of time. It's been a little chaotic. Thank you, Noah, for that. And thank you to Joanna for booking our great guests. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com and uh, sign up there for the daily email. Also, send me an email through the contact uh, feature there, and I will get them and I'll respond. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you tomorrow. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.